Hey guys, couple of things. One, we hope that you guys are hanging in there with Thanksgiving now being over and the remaining holidays right ahead of us because, you know, holidays can be super stressful for a lot of people and now we get to add it to living in the middle of a pandemic. J just be safe, okay? Washing your hands is always a good idea even when we aren't in a pandemic, so, you know, keep that up, maybe do it a little bit extra and wear your mask. Oh, that was a dog. Oh. <laughs> Hello. And the next thing is we are going to try to get both seasons of Crime and Theory audio onto YouTube. So that'll be a good time. And again, just the audio, but you know, it's one more platform that you'll be able to find us on. And we're also working on something else that's really exciting, but I don't want to talk about it until it's officially off the ground and we have everything ready to go. Yes, things are in store. But welcome back. And if you're here for the first time, welcome to Crime and Theory, a podcast dedicated to everything outside the parameters of normal. We are your hosts, Ashley and Erin. Okay, so confession time. We've been playing some Phasmophobia. I, I don't know if anybody else out there is playing that, but if you are, you get it. But if you don't know what that is, it's a game on Steam where you can play a ghost hunter, basically. You can play with friends, which is, you know, best for cowards like us. And you go into a location, find the evidence, and determine what kind of spirit you're dealing with. Sounds pretty straightforward. But the game developers throw all the spooks that they can at you. And the spirits can kill you. A lot. And lights flicker, they show up when you least expect it, and make weird noises, and things get thrown, and temperatures drop, and it's a wild ride. And I was trying to find something really exciting to do for our two-part season finale, and Aaron says, Well, why don't you do the ghost from Phasmophobia? Perfect. Perfect. So, that's what we're doing for the next two weeks. Well, I mean, this week and next week. You, you get what I mean. So, without further ado... Let's talk about six out of the 12 spirits you can witness in the game. Let's get started. Sources for today are phasmophobia.fandom.com. Just buckle in, Aaron, because this is going to be a long list. Britannica, oh, 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 yeah. Britannica.com, ss-times.com, I don't think that stands for the whole Nazi thing. Summitdaily.com, mythology.net, monster.fandom.com, mythology, oh, never mind, I already said that one, mythical-creatures-and-beasts.com. Sorry, I can't read, apparently, on top of not being able to speak. Cora.com, theconversation.com, Wikipedia.com, Wired.com, Celtic-WeddingRings.com, strangely enough, Clotadesign.com, again, strangely enough, MythologyWikia.org, is it Wikia? Wikia? I don't know. I don't know words. Ireland'seye.com, OccultWorld.com, Vice.com, AllThat'sInteresting.com, Genies.Fandom.com, CompellingTruth.org, and just basic Google search for definitions on some of these spooks. That was it. I, I feel like the uh, scene on Spongebob where he rolls out that list 
of things to do. I'm telling you right now that if we were in politics, I could filibuster the heck (laughs) out of something with all the research lists that I can make. Okay, now with that mile-long list of sites out of the way, let's really get into it. And like I said, there are 12 spirits overall, so to list them, there are spirits, wraiths, phantoms, poltergeists, banshees, djinn, mares, revenants, shades, demons, yure, and oni. And if you've never played the PC game Phasmophobia before... On your journey through the haunted place, wherever you're at. The locales. Yeah, the locales. It is your job to figure out which one of those 12 that you're searching for. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of collecting the clues. All while trying to avoid being killed by said spirit. Yeah. But, I mean, fun fact, if you die in the game, you can just wander around as a ghost. Yeah, that is pretty fun. And I think now they updated it where you can pick up things as a ghost and throw them at your friends. Because we were watching Markiplier play and he was tossing some cups. Yeah. So that was a good time. But back to what I was saying. One half now, one half next week because this is a butt ton of information. And some of these I think we're going to actually have to wind up revisiting in future episodes and just dedicate a whole episode. Because there is a lot to these. I am just giving you guys the rundown. The tip of the iceberg, if you will. Basically, yeah. I say that and then I'm starting off with the spirit, which doesn't have a whole heck of a lot, if I'm being honest. This is your basic. Yeah, your basic entity. And also, I'm going to give you guys a rundown of the ghosts in the game, as well as the real world versions of these entities. So in the game, spirits are the most common ghosts to come across. They're powerful and dangerous. But, I mean, in reality, they all kind of are in the game. So here we are. Yeah. These in-game baddies are usually found at their hunting grounds after an unexplained death. If you do play Phasmophobia, it might be helpful to know that they have no special strengths and you can prevent it from hunting for about three minutes by using smudge sticks. Lock that away for next time we play, Aaron. I know, right? Just, just lock it away in the old memory bank. Now, according to Britannica, a ghost and a spirit are basically the same thing. The site says, Ghost, soul, or specter of a dead person usually believed to inhabit the netherworld and to be capable of returning in some forms to the world of the living. Quote, unquote. It also says that the belief in ghosts is rooted in ancient thought that a human spirit is separable from the body and may continue existing after the body dies. Well, I mean, that checks out with a lot of religions. Because once the body dies, the soul continues on. Not just in Christianity and Judaism, but Buddhism as well. And and a ton of other religions. In some societies and cultures, some funeral rituals are thought to actually prevent ghosts from haunting the living. Hmm. Good to know. So, if I die before you, Aaron... Make sure you don't perform those. I want to come back as a ghost so I can leave all my stuff to myself. (laughs) Apparently, ghosts can haunt for different reasons. Hauntings can be because of some strong emotion of past remorse or fear or terror of a violent death. They can show up in all kinds of ways, such as ghostly apparitions. They can make 
objects move to places that you didn't leave them. They can be in the form of strange lights, disembodied laughter, and disembodied screaming. You know what would be really funny? What's that? If there was a ghost haunting Olive Garden because they so strongly felt remorse over trying to decide over the super salad and then they died. I'm pretty sure that that would never happen because I don't know why you would have remorse over such a small thing. But if you were, there are worse places to haunt, you know? If you were to become a ghost because of remorse over not being able to choose between super salad... Again, worst places to haunt. And on the bright side, at least you won't have this weird undead battle of ghosts versus vampires because of the, you know, Olive Garden has a lot of garlic. That's true. Yeah. And somewhere in the, somewhere in there, I'm sure someone could throw in some kind of pun with the word Alfredo. I'm not Alfredo of that ghost. Uh, Well, maybe workshop that. Yeah, yeah. They can also make disembodied footsteps, and people have actually heard ringing bells when there have been spirits around. And on occasion, ghosts have even made random sounds of musical instruments. That's pretty interesting. Wild. Okay, when I die and I inevitably come back as a ghost, I want the sound of trumpets. That way everybody thinks the rapture's happening when I show up. (laughs) about real fear right now is it just confined to an instrument or can it be like a song i don't know but if it can be a song i changed my mind and i want un poco loco from coco well i was gonna be a good song i I was thinking because if i'm coming back as a ghost i'm going to annoy the living crap out of everyone around me this is the song that never ends no i I was thinking uh easy street Oh, that's better. That nightmare of a song? Yes. Everyone. Everyone would go mad. And that's how we take over the world. And then I could possess them, because I'm sure I've destroyed... Yeah, because I've destroyed their psyche. That's true. I mean, I don't think that has anything to do with possessing someone, but yeah. Yeah, It's worth a shot. Yeah, can't hurt. I'd be a ghost. I ain't got nothing better else to do. Yeah. But Britannica isn't the only place that states ghosts and spirits are synonymous. However, according to the article written by Rick Hinton, he finds that they are two separate things. A ghost is more like a residual haunting, where it's like a film reel playing over and over and over again after a person has imprinted its energy on an environment. But a spirit is sentient. They still maintain their personality and generally are the ones who, quote-unquote, take great joy in messing with you. Although that can be interchangeable with poltergeist if you really think about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A man named Hans Holzer, rest in peace, was a professor of parapsychology and he wrote a whopping 119 books on the topic. Dear Lord. Tell me about it. According to Mr. Holzer, quote, ghosts are similar to psychotic human beings incapable of reasoning for themselves. Spirits, on the other hand, are the surviving personalities of all of us who pass through the door of death in a relatively normal fashion. Hmm. So that lines up. Yeah. So you've got the crazy people that die, 
You've got the normal people. No, it's not that crazy, quote unquote, crazy people die. We don't use that word, but people who, for lack of better phrasing, make a pact and die and they are being controlled by unseen forces, their spirit, that would probably be a ghost. A spirit would be someone who just, you know, dies. That is. Like if we're 80 years old and we pass away in our sleep. I mean, I hope that I live longer than 80 years, but say I'm 80 and I pass away normally in my sleep, I become a spirit. Not going to lie. If our friends, because I know y'all are listening. They do. That's really good material for a... D&D campaign. Like a... Yes. Like a, 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 a... a warlock pack. Oh. After they kick the bucket, now they're a spirit. Oh, and I see. the patron can just like use their spirit or whatever to. And then the player plays the patron. Cool. Yeah. Ooh. But, Interesting. Mm, but spirits are not tied to one place. So remember our Saint Augustine episode where that one woman died in her in a care facility, and her spirit still haunts her actual home and not the place she died. Yes. Well. There we go. It's believed spirits are free to travel from one dimension to another and can return to our realm at will. So they're not bound to one specific location. A spirit will often appear because of a genuine emotional tie to a loved one. Sometimes they want that family member to know that a deceased relative is okay. So think Ghost Whisperer if anyone knows what that show is anymore. But that's really all I have on the spirit. But spirits don't sound... Anywhere near as frightening as the game. So we're off to a good start. Yeah. Debunking the game and making it a little less spooky. Kinda. Or, you know, as we go through the episode, we might make it worse. Let's find out. The next spirit that we are covering is the Wraith. Fun fact, Google's first instinct when I was researching the Wraith was to try to sell me a Rolls Royce. But that's not the kind of Wraith I'm covering today. (laughs) Because I'm poor. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not that poor. It's fine. I think everyone is pretty poor in comparison to how much a Rolls Royce costs. Ain't that the truth. It's not, it's not a nice number. But they're nice looking cars. Anyway, in the game, wraiths are one of the most dangerous entities. It is the only known ghost that you come against with the ability of flight. Sometimes it's known to see through doors, so hiding is sometimes pointless. And carrying salt into the house to fight these guys is a pretty good idea because that is their weakness. A wraith in reality is a ghost or ghost-like image of someone, especially seen shortly before or after their death. So it sounds to me like a wraith is a ghost, or like all wraiths are ghosts, but not all ghosts are wraiths. Now here's my question. What happens after time passes for that wraith if it sticks around? Does it just become your regular, average, everyday, run-of-the-mill, plumbus, standard spirit? Because if that definition is to be believed, it's just someone close to their time of death. What happens when time passes and it's not immediately after their death anymore? That's a very good question. So a a wraith is the spirit of someone close to... To their death? In post-death, I believe. Like, so immediate, like immediately after. Or shortly after. So. 
oh, I'm sorry, you were correct, seen shortly before or after their death. So I suppose if someone's in a coma or in their final moments of life, their soul can leave their body, and that's technically a wraith. Hmm. Man, you know, what this theory, because that's what our channel... You are correct. What if someone became a wraith and, like, really messed up somebody, but they were in the in the hospital, and somehow they were able to revive that person, so that put them back in their body. Okay, that happens all the time. So... That people die and they get revived. Is that essentially the, quote-unquote, out-of-body experience, like you are a wraith? I guess, technically. I mean, I suppose. But I think if you get brought back, you're just having an out-of-body experience. Okay. I think a wraith is someone who is about to die permanently. Okay, okay. But that's not the entirety of the definition. So let's move on from that. Because they're apparently undead creatures whose name began with Scottish folklore. As time's gone on, the concept of the wraith evolved to be more along the lines of an evil spirit whose purpose is to cause harm to everyone that it encounters. It's usually one who has unfinished business in our world. They're usually shown as a skeletal figure covered in tattered rags or robes and are usually associated with super spooky haunted places like cemeteries and such. Think somewhere along the lines of The Ghost of Christmas Future from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Okay, so a wraith is more like an angry person. An angry, like, they were angry before they died. I never said angry. Or, oh, oh, that's right. But there's someone that... I just said evil. Okay, yeah, an evil person that has still got some business to do. According to Mythology.net, there's a much more magical explanation for wraiths. They're said to be creatures that come to be when something goes awry during spellcasting. Most often, this happens when a witch or wizard... Real quick, no warlocks? No sorcerers? Very specific. Whenever a witch or wizard tries to extend their lifespan or tries to manipulate time in some way or another. And, I mean... When are they going to realize they're not Time Lords? Because here's what happens. There's a drawback to uh, to their whole spell. I mean, technically, yeah, they get what they want, but they get what they want by turning into immortal beings with great powers who are doomed to wander between the dimensions of the living and the dead for eternity and not being allowed to reach the spirit realm. That sounds awfully close to a lich. Oh, actually, that makes a lot of sense, because I think liches look a lot like wraiths. Hmm. We done figured it out. (sighs) Mystery shoved. Wraiths can actually feel emotions, which sounds nice on the surface. However, they only feel negative emotions, like hate and despair. I'm pretty sure that... For the majority of my 20s, I had a wraith living in my brain. (laughs) In some cases, wraiths are considered to be a type of demon. So that's super fun. And most, but not all, wraiths are inherently evil and they seek to steal the souls of the living. They will actually drain the life out of humans 
and take their soul with just a touch. And when they take that soul, their poor victim is now cursed to wander with the wraith for eternity, unless the wraith somehow gets killed. And it sounds like wraiths might actually just be super lonely, and they're like, hey, I need a friend. But they're so scary that nobody wants to be their friend, so they have to force friendship, which still makes them a jerk, you know? Now, that's just a standard wraith, though. There are actually thought to be multiple types, and as you'll see later, there are multiple types of basically every ghost I'm going to cover. Remember how I said that a victim's soul is freed if the wraith is killed? Yes. Okay. Well, the next question should be, can you kill or defeat a wraith? Well, the only way to defeat these guys is by a holy presence or weapon. So here's the plan, okay? We pray really hard for God to send the Archangel Michael with his flaming sword. Sounds good to me. Okay. Because they apparently cannot tolerate any type of holiness and will either be destroyed or forced to retreat. Now, here's the catch. You actually need to be sure to kill it with that flaming sword because if it escapes, it has time to really think about what just happened and, you know, stew in it for a little bit and get really ticked off that you tried to kill it. And then it's going to unleash its fury on the world. That's not something you should take lightly, because its anger is said to be so powerful that it will quote-unquote emit waves of energy strong enough to steal the will to live from entire villages, end quote. Holy cow. I don't know why, I just thought about that one scene. I know it's in Hercules, but I think it's the scene where they go to Thebes, and the entire city of Thebes is destroyed and everybody's dark and depressed. I'm pretty sure that's what would happen, where nobody really has the will to live anymore. Because bad stuff just keeps happening. I feel like... Like a wraith infest- infestation. I feel like the whole year of 2020 has just been infested by a wraith. Oh, you know what? That explains a lot. That explains so much. But some variations of the kind that I just mentioned are very sentient slash intelligent and can hold grudges into death. They will target someone who they think wronged them until they're able to steal that individual soul. Cool, cool. Stalker wraiths. All right. So would the grudge be considered a wraith? We'll talk about that in our next episode. Nice. Because no. No. The creature from the grudge is not a wraith. Oh, now I want to know what it is. Well, we'll find out in the next episode. Well, you should. Okay. You guys should. Come back. Okay. Another kind is a ghost demon type thing that's super parasitic, which let's be honest, Sounds like a grand time. They'll possess people, but apparently these wraiths are so subtle that the victim doesn't even know that it's there. These dudes don't possess any magic, according to at least one belief. Although there are a few cases where humans developed some demonic powers because of wraith possession. So, I don't know. Oh, and these dudes can breed. Sort of. Say what? The ones that do the possessing. When the possessed human procreates, a part of the wraith will go into the unborn child and bond with them. No. Apparently their souls will meld together and the fetus is referred to as a quote-unquote blood child. Aren't we all technically blood children? We're children of someone and we all have blood. I'm not wrong. Wait, so do these ghost babies grow up? Yeah, I believe so. 
They just have a wraith in them. Forever and ever. But here's my question. If the wraith... Because children, fetuses especially, don't know who they are as humans, right? So if they have part of that wraith in them, does that wraith influence who that person becomes? That's a good question. Side question. Is that how serial killers are made? (gasps) We figured it out. Go ahead. When, because I know in some religious beliefs that babies get, uh, is it not, is it Christ, Kristen? Christened? Christened or blessed or. Usually in the Catholic church, they get christened. Yeah. I think they do in the Methodist church. No, they get dedicated. I don't know. Would that ceremony be like. Would it drive out the wraith? Because wraiths can't stand any holy presence. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe it kind of makes me think, did that ceremony come from this? I don't think so. Or at least... Because wraiths aren't in the Christian faith. Right. Typically, so probably not. And that stemmed from the Christian faith, the christening in the Catholic Church. Because Catholics... Do Catholics believe in ghosts? Holy Ghost. Yeah, wow, that was a dumb question, but... Sorry, I wasn't trying to be smart. I was like, technically... (laughs) I couldn't tell you. I'm not Catholic. We should probably have some conversations with a Catholic and know what they believe. That'd be a good idea. And apparently, there's also a variation of a wraith called the Voror. Voror? V-O-R-O-R. Try saying it. I... You can't, can you? Nope. Mm Mm-mm. But some people call it a warden or a watcher. And this type of wraith will follow around a soul from birth to death. It literally does nothing but follow it. And it's not considered to be a malevolent wraith. So it's just like your your buddy? My best buddy, the wraith. Yeah, I guess so. It's more like a ghostly guardian angel. But they just follow you. I think guardian angels are supposed to protect you. Yeah. So I don't know. Hmm. That's weird. Also, stalker. Not fun. Stalker ghost. I mean, it might not possess you, but still, stalker ghost. Not nice. And some of them just feed off a person's energy. Like an energy vampire. And that's literally all they do. I think I might have one of those, too. Probably explains my caffeine dependency. Some people, Someone call a priest. Some people that I know, they, they don't have to be dead to be able to do that. They also siphon your sanity. Yes, they do. And if anyone happens to be writing a fantasy horror novel, which I'm not sure is a thing, but it should be, here's some inspiration. A wraith's presence is said to cause the skies to suddenly darken and the temperature to drop. It's said that the atmosphere becomes, quote, void of any life and hope, end quote. You know what'll fix that? Chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Up next is the Phantom Menace. No, just the Phantom. But are essentially they a menace? I mean, on the game, they're kind of a menace. Dennis the Menace? Yeah, in the game. Uh, actually, Dennis in- the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Somebody should make that a meme. I'm not wrong. Somebody no. should make that a meme if they haven't already. Phantoms in-game are fear-inducing and sanity-draining. If you take a photo of it, it will disappear temporarily, and it's rumored to possess the living, but it doesn't actually happen in-game. At least not yet, because they're always coming out with updates. 
It's also said to be commonly summoned by Ouija boards, which you can't actually summon them in-game either. Again, yet. We never know what those game developers are going to add. Updates, people. Updates. And again, Google tried to sell me a Rolls Royce. Oh, because it's a different... The Wraith, the Phantom, and the Ghost, I think, are all Rolls Royces. But it didn't try to sell you on the Ghost. Nope. Because I looked up Spirit, not Ghost. Ah, okay. Yep. Almost got three for three. (laughs) (laughs) And nice try, Google. At least try to sell me something affordable. But when I got down to the bottom of it, there's not a lot about phantoms, and I mean at all. Here's how short (laughs) this whole piece on phantoms are. The definition literally just says a ghost. That's it. A ghost. And another site says apparently that phantoms haunt lonely roads. But there was a question that was asked on Quora.com, which is what is the difference between a ghost and a phantom? And according to a self-proclaimed paranormal investigator, Sophia Leanne, the answer is not much. A ghost is, quote, an apparition of a dead person that's believed to appear or become manifest to the living, typically as a nebulous image, end quote. They'll typically appear as orbs or misty images. And slightly more detailed on the phantom... She says, quote, something apparent to sense, but with no substantial existence, end quote. And that's literally all I have on phantoms. Now, you said that they haunt lonely roads? That was what it said, yes. That makes me think of... The Crossroads Demon? The cro- Okay, Crossroads Demon. That's what I was thinking of. And what if the Crossroads Demon isn't a demon, but a phantom? What, what is that? ghost story uh i know it was one of the first supernatural the woman in white yeah the woman in white that's what i'm thinking of and every town has one like sally's bridge and but it's always a road that they appear on right so i suppose that type of ghost would be a phantom now the woman in white from supernatural i believe is also based on la llorona right but maybe la llorona's a phantom hmm We need to do an episode on her. Don't we, though? Yes. But I am sorry that I cannot quench your thirst for knowledge on the specter. I apologize sincerely. But I literally had so many other ghosts to get through. They are a menace. (laughs) If we ever meet a phantom, you know what we're naming them. Danny? Oh, yeah! (laughs) That's better, yeah. And now... They're here. Because, you know, it's time for Poltergeist. I was was quoting Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. Okay. In game, these are noisy ghosts who can manipulate objects around it to spread fear to you and your friends. Which, I mean, Poltergeists are probably the most obvious in game as to what they are. And the real world definition of the poltergeist is a ghost or other supernatural being supposedly responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises and objects thrown around. So, you know, way to go game creators on getting that one right. So, essentially, while you're playing Phasmophobia and random stuff starts getting yeeted around, (laughs) that's a pretty good indicator. Now, the site I visited said that the term comes from two German words. Polter, which means crash or rumble. It wasn't really clear. And Geist, which means ghost. So it's 
a noisy ghost. Rumble ghost. It's a rumble ghost. And even though poltergeists are less common than other hauntings, reports of poltergeist activity actually dates all the way back to the first century. Holy cow. When, please forgive me if I say this name wrong, but when Flavius Josephus wrote of an exorcism of an unclean spirit, he wrote of an exorcism of an unclean spirit. You, you know how exorcism reports go. It's never good. But never. When, <laughs> but this is as far as his encounter goes with this quote-unquote poltergeist. Apparently, when this exorcism was going on, a bowl of water was overturned by an unseen entity. And that is literally what we dated as the first poltergeist. That's all it took. A bowl of water. A bowl of water. I mean, we're so desensitized, but can you imagine being back in the first century and seeing a bowl of water across the room being turned over? I would freak out. I mean, even to this day, if... if we were hanging out in the kitchen in a bowl of water or cereal or whatever. Just or the cheesecake sitting on our counter right now. Yeah. If that just all of a sudden flipped. I'd be a little bit freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, could, I, yeah. but can you imagine back in the first century when everything, and I mean everything, was rooted in religion? Everything. Oh, a woman has knowledge of something? She's a witch. Then she's of the devil. She's a witch. Literally everything was rooted in religion. So to see a bowl flip over of its own accord, they were probably wetting their pants. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine how much day-to-day fear they lived in. Probably a lot. Now, poltergeists might not actually be ghosts after all, though. Some people believe that activity caused by poltergeists might actually come from quote-unquote unknown energy associated with a living person or a location. Hear me out. Fun fact, poltergeists actually tend to prefer adolescent females. So that's a female around their teen years. I mean, not always. But these teens are usually suffering from emotional turmoil when the activity begins. If you've ever seen An American Haunting with Donald Sutherland, then you know what I'm talking about. So something traumatic happens, girls who are going through puberty, hormones are imbalanced, your mind is all over the place, nothing about you is the way it used to be, so you're very confused about what's happening, right? Especially in the 1800s and before, because a girl did not talk about getting her monthly cycle. A girl didn't talk about her body changing, at least not back then. So she kind of had to harbor all of this to herself and, well, activity started to begin. So that's what people theorize is that that energy that they had to hold within themselves instead of just letting it out and crying it out and yelling it out, it would manifest itself in quote unquote poltergeist activity. Did that make sense? Yes. Okay. But William G. Roll, who was a pioneer in poltergeist research, I want that career, found that people who experienced poltergeist activity actually wound up being between the ages of 8 and 78 years old. So the whole preferring adolescent females might be true, but literally anyone can experience it. See, now this one kind of sounds like the... Wait, let me... Let me... The wraith that... 
because that's the one that follows you around for almost like your whole life, right? Right, but that one doesn't do anything. Right. And if it doesn't do anything, how do we know that that wraith is a thing? Anyway. Because now this one sounds like it tags along pretty much your whole life as well. Well, not necessarily. Actually, most poltergeist activity does not last that long. And I'll get to that in a second. When it comes to the hauntings themselves, activity will actually begin with minor, isolated incidents. It could be anything from unexplained noises to you finding small but familiar objects like your keys or phone in a location where you did not leave them. And activity has been averaged to only last around five months or so. So it's not a whole life thing. I need to make sure I'm not haunted by one of these things because that happens to me a lot. Oh, Like your wedding ring. Yeah. Okay, I, I want to clarify because <laughs> we don't wear typical wedding rings. We have silicone ones. So if your hands get sweaty or if you're washing your hands and you get soap underneath, they can slide off. I mean, they fit. They fit snugly, but they're not so tight that they rub our fingers raw. So we went, had to go to the store and Aaron had his ring on. And then we get back in the car and he says he had his ring on. And we get home and it was gone. Yeah, like the whole day had this thing on. Knew I had it on. I go to dry my hands at home and I look down. You're taken aback at your lack of wedding ring. It's it's gone gone. and I don't know where it is anymore. It's cool because they're silicone, they're cheap. He's got another one. It's not a big deal. Yeah, but still. But some cases of poltergeist activity actually do last for several years. For example, how short the experience can be. There was a poltergeist, for instance, in Canada, who was actually rather polite for a spirit and only remained active for about two months between 1951 and 1952. But on the flip side of that coin, the Brother Dolly case, there was a poltergeist who left stains, carvings of images, and Welsh words of a typically religious nature, and it hung around for several years. Golly. Poltergeist, I think... Part of what makes a poltergeist a poltergeist is how unpredictable they are. Some people think that emotional stress can bring on activity, as I was saying earlier. Again, meaning that it might not be a legit ghost, but rather a manifestation of strong human emotion. Right. The the theory is called spontaneous recurring psychokinesis, and it suggests that building up stress will unconsciously project outward as mental energy, which can affect the physical environment. That's the more smart way of putting it. Sounds like something in a Stephen King book. Honestly, I can't argue that statement in the slightest. Carrie. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. The Shining. Mm, No, The Shining was a haunted hotel. The hotel itself was an entity. There was no poltergeist activity. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, the, the power itself. Oh, the ability of The Shining, not the book The Shining. But I think part of what makes the poltergeist so fascinating is that it could be a haunting. Or it could mean that we, as humans, are capable of a lot more than we originally thought. Most claims about poltergeists say that they're capable of pinching, biting, hitting, and tripping people. The spirit seems to be the one that can physically contact us the most. And that sucks because it feels a bit violent. Or maybe it's just a toddler. Think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, I don't know that toddlers like to trip people, but they do like to pinch, hit, and bite. 
little kid having a fit, and he's a ghost. That's it. They are also shown to levitate and move objects like chairs, knives, and the like. And apparently they can also knock on doors. And I really want, I have to know, do they laugh at us for falling for it? If they're tricking us into thinking there's someone at the door, are they ding-dong ditching us? And then laughing? Or do they even have to leave? Can you, because you can't see Well, I mean, metaphorically. If we could metaphorically ding-dong ditch someone. Yeah. But I mean, if I'm a phantom and I'm going to start playing that kind of game. Well, if you're a phantom, you're on a lonely road. You can't play those kinds of games. Oh, man. (laughs) Unless, wait, unless someone's in an RV. True. What are you going to do? Knock on their car door? Yeah. Okay. Just. Cool, cool. Then in the 1950s, Guy, I, I guess it's Guy, William Lambert proposed an idea. Maybe poltergeist activity could be explained by moving water underground, which causes stress on the structure of a house. He suggested that the water could cause strange sounds or structural movement of the property. And this could cause the house to vibrate and objects to move. I mean, it sounds really logical if you really think about it. It's a sound theory. The only problem is that I don't think things would move from one room to another. I don't think chairs would stack themselves on top of tables and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's where that that theory starts going south really quick. And see, researchers later tested his hypothesis, and they determined basically the same thing. Only a few objects would move, and only a very short distance. It didn't quite line up with the real-world accounts of poltergeist activity. And I think the poltergeist is another one that we're going to have to do a full episode on at a later date. Definitely. Because it's time to move on to the next one. And it's my personal favorite one. Up next is the Banshee. You don't look very excited about it. It's okay, you will be. Don't worry about it. (laughs) In-game, banshees are considered natural hunters. They will attempt to slowly stalk and pick off ghost hunters, the players, one by one. They will selectively target one investigator at a time, and the way to prevent their hunt is to use the crucifix. Which I learned that out the hard way. We had to learn a lot about the game the hard way. But the definition of a banshee is, quote, a female spirit in Irish legend whose wailing warns of an impending death in a house, end quote. And I think a lot of people believe that she causes the death. I mean, when I remember when we were kids, there was an episode of Charmed that had a banshee in it, and she was kind of the monster of the week, if you will. But in real lore, they're harbingers of death. They are not the ones who cause, at least not for the most part. They don't actually touch you in any way so i'm guessing maybe banshee and mothman are kind of the same misunderstood entity Hmm. i'm just saying they show up and i mean mothman's pretty quiet he just shows up but they're misunderstood and they're just trying to let you know hey something bad's gonna happen maybe you should prepare yourself you know also i had a thought when i was writing the script What's that? I want someone to make me a shirt with the Banshee and Mothman sitting at a table having a cup of tea and maybe Mothman can wear a bowler hat and a bow tie. (laughs) You can't tell me that's not adorable. That would be really adorable. I know. And if nobody wants to make me a shirt, you know, maybe just post it for me to stare at for hours on end because that would make me the happiest human alive. But I'm digressing. 
It'd definitely be her laptop wallpaper. Yeah, more than likely. Now, banshees will usually shriek, wail, or keen to announce the impending death of a family member. So, there's an explanation as to what the sound could actually be, and I'll get to that in a bit. It's a really good theory, though. This lore has been around for more than a thousand years in the UK. Holy cow. Historians have traced the first stories of the Banshee back to the 8th century that were based on a tradition where women would sing sorrowful songs to lament the death of a person. These women were called keeners, hence the keening of a Banshee. And since they accepted alcohol as payment, they were deemed sinners by super-religious judgy people in their villages or towns. And these quote-unquote sinners were punished by being condemned to eternity as a banshee. Now, according to myth, if the banshee is spotted, she will disappear in a cloud of mist and the action creates a noise similar to a bird flapping its wings. And the whole wing flapping thing adds evidence held by theorists who believe that the legend of the banshee was based on the good old-fashioned barn owl. Seriously, go Google barn owl screech and you'll understand why some people believe this. Matter of fact, Aaron, can I have your phone? Yes. Now, if a banshee started making those noises at me, I would freak out. I'm just going to clarify real quick. I played the noise of a barn owl screeching. That's what Aaron is referencing. I mean, same. Especially in the 8th century. Yeah. Everything was so dark. They didn't have street lamps. They didn't have Google to explain, hey, this might be a barn owl. They're indigenous to your region. Also, sick joke, but this is, I imagine this would probably get someone killed really quick in that time period uh-huh. as someone starts making starts mimicking a barn owl noise because i know there's some people out there that are capable of mimicking bird noises or and stuff like that if they start doing that it's over yeah it, yeah it's like hey guys check out what cool bird noise i can do <laughs> murder him He's a banshee. I don't think they would have thought that person was a banshee because banshees don't typically put themselves in social situations. Yeah. But I see where you're going with that. The banshee can sometimes be seen in the form of a beautiful woman who is merely weeping instead of wailing. She's also known as the washerwoman of the ford or the washer of the ford and can sometimes be seen scrubbing her bloodied robe in a river and preening, quote unquote, her hair, which is long and silver with a comb. What is preening? You know the phrase preening and primping? She's brushing her hair. Oh, okay. Okay. She's making it look pretty. She's almost always, if not always, a female entity. She's seen in a multitude of forms, though. For instance, she's a beautiful woman wearing a shroud. Other times, she's a pale woman in a white dress with long red hair. So, me, on our wedding day. I am a banshee. (laughs) I've always wanted to be something spooky. Well... When you were walking down that aisle, it didn't look like your feet were moving. 
Ah, I'm I just was saying, floating. It did, ah. look, it did look like you were floating. There we go. Sometimes she's seen wearing a silver dress and has long silver hair. Sometimes she's just a headless woman carrying a bowl of blood. And this version of the Banshee, she's naked from the waist up. Sounds uncomfortable, but cool. Naked from the waist up carrying a bowl of blood. With no head. With no head. Uh Uh-huh. That is the thing of nightmares. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's some whole Celtic lore tied to that somehow. Besides just the Banshee. It's probably symbolic in some way. Yeah. Yeah, we've definitely got to do a deep dive into Banshees. Let's see. There's also an old woman with gray hair and a veil covering her face, and she's dressed all in black, which kind of sounds like the woman in black with Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, there's also a book, I think. And I want to say, but if you're of Irish heritage and know more about this lore than I do, obviously, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she's actually considered a fairy in legend. She's a type of fairy, I believe. And as Irish families started to blend over time, it's believed that each family got its own banshee. But some people think that she only appears to select families, especially those with the names like O'Neill, O'Connor, O'Brien, O'Grady, and Kavanaugh. But that list does vary. Now, what would that type of banshee... Like, what would their purpose be? Like, would they be, like, a protector banshee, or...? No, it's more like they're warning the family, hey, you're getting ready to lose someone. Oh, okay, okay. So... Make preparations. Yeah. Now, some... I don't know if it's the person who is about to die, or if a family member hears it, or what. I don't know how that works. Sometimes it is the person about to die, but the Banshee is warning them that they're about to, so it gives them time to make their peace So and get ready. Not really. I, I, I feel like Harbinger of Death would be too much of a title. No, that's literally what she is. I even said that earlier. Oh, okay. That's what a Harbinger is. Oh. Some Banshees had strong family ties in their lives, so they continued to watch over their loved ones in death. And when these particular ones appear, they're the beautiful, enchanting women who sing a sorrowful, haunting song filled with love and even concern, which is not scary at all. And like I said earlier, with this one anyway, the only one who can hear it is the person who's at the end of their life. I mean, here's the deal. We all have to die. Right. Every last one of us. And it sucks when we lose someone that we love. But it's something that we all have to do. It's everyone's common ground. We all die. And because I have to die, if I got to choose, hearing someone sing a beautiful song to me at the end of my life, that don't sound too bad. Yeah, I I was about to say, it kind of sounds... As as terrifying as some of the examples are, this one sounds like they're more there to bring you peace and kind of get you ready for that, that journey beyond. Yeah. Now, 
there are some angry, scary ones who really hated their families in life, and they appear as spooky as possible. They're filled with utter hate, and their shrieks and howls will chill you to your very core. Yay. Yay. And instead of doing their job and just warning the family, they actually appear to be very happy about the impending death of the person they hated. So not there to comfort you. No. I like the first one better. Yeah. Other versions of the legend is that she's the ghost of a young woman who died brutally, and her soul hangs around to warn family that a violent death is imminent. So a murder? I mean, maybe. That sounds pretty violent. I mean, car crashes are violent too, if I'm being honest. Mm, You're right. And this telling seems to be the closest to the original telling of this legend. This banshee will appear as an old woman, strangely enough, because she was young when she died, whose teeth are rotten and nails are unusually long. She's wearing rags, and this one is the one with blood-red eyes filled with hate. To look into her eyes is said to for you to die right on the spot. Her mouth is always open, and her scream is torment to the living. That's not terrifying at all. No, not at all. I mean, at least she's still giving you a warning that you're about to die. I mean, yeah. she's just trying to help. She's can't help that she's horrifying. And even though she is a harbinger, that doesn't stop some banshees from trying to take life or from taking pleasure in life ending. Some banshees will seek out victims and will wail at them until that person goes absolutely insane or kills themselves. Good times. Good times. In later stories, the Banshee would wail outside the door at night. So you remember the whole prankster theory you had? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, when the Banshee would wail outside the door at night, this was typically around wooded areas. Now, your prankster theory seems like it could fit really well right here. Someone from the town was feeling, I don't know, mischievous, went to someone's house, took their pet barn owl, let them screech outside the door, and then they had the woods to cover so they could run away. There you go. There we go. Done. And this banshee was rarely seen. See? But when she was seen, she was usually the elderly woman as mentioned earlier. But she would occasionally take the form of a crow, stoat, hare, or weasel. And the thing that these animals have in common is that They're animals associated with witchcraft in Ireland. Hmm. What a coincidence. A weasel? Look, I don't know why they chose the animals they chose to represent (laughs) witches. But a weasel. Maybe it's because they stink. Valid. Along with her varying appearances, the sound she makes varies as well. In... Please forgive me. I don't know if it's Leinster. Leinster. Irish people, please tell me how to say your cities and counties. But in that region, her cry can shatter glass with its shrillness. Holy crap. In Kerry, her call is a, quote, 
low, pleasant singing, quote. And if you go over to Tyrone, she sounds like two boards being struck together. That one's really weird. It kind of sounds like a, what is she, like a land siren? Sirens seduce with their voice. They hypnotize and lead oh, people yeah, to yeah, that's right. I don't know why I thought themselves. sirens made like high-pitched death, death, deafening. I think you're thinking more along the lines of a police siren, ambulance siren, and fire truck siren. And I think in your head that the word siren, you just associate that sound with that word, no matter what context it's in. Yeah. Unless it's sleeping with sirens. Sometimes her cry is heard for multiple nights in a row before death happens. If it's the nice singing version, then that's cool. I hope it's a different song every night, though. Otherwise, that would drive me bonkers. Yeah. Like, if it was me doing that that multiple day haunting, I would just give you the same... Easy street. Easy street. Mm-hmm. That's why you'll never be a banshee. (laughs) You just don't make the cut. And last up for today is probably the most interesting in today's episode. The djinn. Now in the game, djinn are territorial and will attack when threatened. They can move at high speeds and will do so when they're hunting more distant investigators. This is the entity that it pays off to cut the power in the house yourself. Because by cutting the power, you will limit its speed. So you can use the whole fuse box thing to your advantage. But at the same time, I mean, wandering around in the dark. We wander around in the dark anyway. But it cuts your sanity down so quick, though. Accurate. Now, jinn are supernatural creatures found in pre-Islamic Arabian and even later in Islamic mythology and theology. And since this has some religious ties, I just want to make it clear that we mean absolutely no disrespect if we get anything wrong or if I mispronounce anything. If this is your first episode, I literally can't pronounce the most basic words most days. So please forgive me. Now, jinn like humans, are apparently created with fitra. Fitra? Fitra? I can't. This word, I believe, is a state of innocence and purity that all humans are born with according to Muslim belief. Hmm. Jinn are born slash created as believers, and their surroundings will then change them. Innately speaking, jinn are neither good nor evil, Along with angels and humans, they make up the three sentient creations of God. That's interesting. Yeah. And they're not strictly an Islamic concept. These beings may represent several pagan beliefs that kind of assimilated into Islam because Islam acknowledged spirits from other faiths, and they were able to adapt spirits from those other faiths during its expansion. From what I gather, jinn is kind of an umbrella term for any supernatural entity, but also a very specific type of creature. 
they're usually talked about alongside devils and demons. Both devils and jinn are found in folklore and are held responsible for misfortune, possession, and disease. But the difference between jinn and devils or demons is that jinn can also be kind and benevolent. Because, like people, their environment influences them while devils and demons are evil across the board. Also, the jinn are granted with free will, like humans. So they can just do whatever they want, essentially. Yeah, they have free will. I mean, they have to answer for their choices and their decisions. Right. But if they want to do bad, then they can do bad. If they want to do good, they can do good. That's pretty cool. They're mentioned in magical works throughout the Islamic world to be summoned and bound to a sorcerer. The exact origins of the jinn are not clear, however, but that doesn't stop them from being one of the coolest things I have ever read about. The jinn possess supernatural powers and can be conjured in magical rites to perform tasks and services. Sounds like a genie, right? It sounds an awful lot like a genie. Also, Magoo's being really cute. I love oh. him. Well, the reason it sounds like a genie is because jinn appear as wish-granting genies in many Arabic folktales, including the book of 1001 Nights. Wait, so you're telling me genie... In From, our in watered Aladdin. down Disney version of Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Is a gin? Yes. That was the inspiration for Genie. That's so cool. Yeah. In lore that predates Islam, jinn, spelled with a D, but is the same creature, are malicious creatures born of smokeless fire. But even though we might believe they're immortal, they're not. The jinn live in the calf. K-A-F, I I assume is pronounced calf, cough, calf, alongside other supernatural beings. The, that place, is a mythical range of emerald mountains that encircle the entire earth, which sounds really lovely, actually. It is. It actually sounds really cool. They roam the deserts and wilderness, and they're usually invisible, but the jinn do have the power to shapeshift. They can turn into anything, from insect to animal to human. So next time you're out wandering the desert and you see a lizard, could be a djinn. You never know. What if you mess with that lizard? I guess then you'll find out if it's a djinn. And that's why you should never pull the tail off a lizard. This is how my brain works. This is the conclusion (laughs) I get to. (laughs) According to lore... King Solomon, you know, from the Bible. King Solomon used a magic ring to control jinn and to protect himself from them. The magic ring had a gem in it. It's theorized that it was probably a diamond. And it had a living force. Solomon would brand the necks of the jinn as his slaves with the ring. Another story is of a jealous jinn who is sometimes identified as, wait for Aaron because you're a D&D fan, Asmodeus or Asmodeus. Say what? 
who stole the ring while Solomon was bathing in the Jordan River. That Jinn seated himself on Solomon's throne at his palace and ruled his kingdom, forcing Solomon to become a wanderer. God made the Jinn throw the ring into the sea where Solomon could retrieve it, and he proceeded to punish the Jinn. He imprisoned the Jinn in a bottle. That is insane. You see why this was my favorite one to research? Like, not my favorite creature overall, but my favorite one to research. This one's fascinating. Also, in the Bible, there was someone who was plotting to take the throne from Solomon. I'm not saying that person was a djinn. I'm saying that, you know, there is kind of a parallel there. But in that story, Solomon was very kind and malevolent and let the guy off the hook. Right. In another story, Solomon took Jin to his palace. His crystal-paved palace. Must be nice. Say what? Yeah. Where apparently the Jin would sit at tables made of iron. I don't know if they're bound by iron. A lot of creatures are, so that's a possibility. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But the Quran tells about how the king made them work on building palaces, making rugs, ponds, statues, gardens, and other really nice things to look at. And apparently, whenever Solomon wanted to go on vacation, the jinn would carry him to those locations on their backs. And according to this lore, Solomon forced the jinn to build the Temple of Jerusalem as well as the entire city of Jerusalem. Wild times. So the jinns, at least from what the, the information that you've given us, would be the only other spirit that can interact with things, like physically move them if they're I mean if they're building things. Um Yes and no. Okay. So I don't think the jinn is a spirit so much as an entity. Now, poltergeists are the only spirits that can really throw things around. Kind of, not really. Poltergeists are the most mischievous out of the lot. There we go. That's what I'm trying to get at here. But the djinn are its own creation. Do you see where I'm going with that? Just like genie from Aladdin. Right. I mean, would you say that an angel is a spirit or a ghost? Mm-mm. It's its own thing. The djinn walked the earth before humans ever did. But it's unknown how much longer before humans they were placed here. Some say they were created 2,000 years before Adam and Eve. And they're equal to the angels in stature. Their ruler Iblis, a.k.a. Shaitan, Shaitan, was not really cool with being told to worship Adam. And he was cast out of heaven. Like Lucifer. Wait, that sounds awfully close to Satan. I know. That that was kind of my theory, but oh, he was cast trippy. out of heaven. Huh? That's trippy. Right? Well, there are actually a lot of parallels to Islam and Christianity in the history. Huh. Like, if you look in the Bible and look at the history and the locations and stuff. Right. A lot of those locations and figures are also in the Quran. Well, yeah. the more you know. Yeah. But Iblis was cast out of heaven alongside his followers, you know, like the fallen angels who followed Lucifer. 
That's all making sense. Right. Now, unlike Christianity, Iblis's throne was supposedly, or is supposedly, in the sea, rather than the fiery pits of hell. Now, I don't know how to pronounce this, but according to El, El Zayn, pagan Arabs who worshipped jinn before Islam was introduced believed that the spirits were masters of certain crafts and elements of nature. They held the power to turn plots of land fertile, and they're perfectly capable of communicating with people through talking or other methods. Although some people, like poets or I guess the artistic type, are more likely to have jinn talk to them than we mere mortals. Some Islamic scholars believe jinn are capable of possessing people, while others do not. But there are certainly stories of jinn possessing people in existence. Exorcisms would be performed, which would involve reciting the Quran over the person, or not as commonly, physically beating the jinn out of the possessed. I think these exorcisms are condemned by mainstream Muslims, though. So, don't just go actively beating up people you think are possessed. Howdy. Right? Now, people who partake in beating the jinn out of the possessed, they hold the belief that the pain that they inflict is not felt by the possessed at all, rather by the jinn who occupies them. But, I mean, even if that were the case, the moment that jinn's leaving that dude's body, they're going to be feeling the repercussions of their still physical body. Look, you're preaching beaten. to the choir here. I'm fully aware because I don't think that the person's magically healed once the jinn leaves their body. Yeah. So here's my thing. I do wonder if maybe the jinn who possess people are the ones who followed Iblis out of heaven, like demons. That's a good theory. And fun fact jinn can fall in love and procreate with humans. Which, think about this. I know I keep comparing to the Bible, but it's the Bible that I know. Angels, fallen angels, laid with humans, creating Mm -hmm. giants. I'm just saying that it is possible, according to our faith. So this is not far-fetched. No. Apparently, the jinn eat, drink, and sleep too. And the jinn are subject to final judgment and will in the end, be sent to either paradise or hell, depending on what they did during their time on Earth. It's insane. I feel like the jinn are literally the midpoint between angel and human. That's pretty, that is really wild to think that there's like another thing on the divine pecking order. Right. There we have our first six. We hope that if you do play Phasmophobia, you go into your next hunt with a bit more understanding. And maybe this will help take a little bit of the edge off when that ominous music starts playing. I'm kidding. I'm still gonna scream like a child. Same. I was gonna say, don't sit there and act like you're so much tougher than me. (laughs) There's video evidence, Karen. (laughs) Though Justin worse than me. You're right. 
And I don't think he denied that. Our other friends think that you might have no emotion <laughs> when you play these games. It's fine. Maybe I'm just upselling it to scare the audience. Oh. You'll never know. Da, da, da. Do you have anything else you want to say? Um, I, I feel like this episode, I know that we typically leave off with Don't Get Haunted. And but, we will still. Huh? And we still will. But, uh, if this is anything to prove a point, to really nail that phrase in its metaphorical coffin, <laughs> don't get haunted. Oh, that's all you have to say. Stay safe this week, guys. When your EMF reaches five, run. And as always, don't get haunted. We'll see you guys for our season two finale next week.